Well, I invite you to take your copy of God's Word and be turning once again to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. We've crossed over from chapter 5. Now we're beginning chapter 6 and we're embarking on the first four verses. The title of the message today is Children and Parents. Children and Parents. So Ephesians chapter 6. And I want us to read the first four verses. The Word of God says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may be well with you, and that you may live long on the earth. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Well, so far throughout the book of Ephesians, the Apostle Paul has been telling us about this thing that we've been brought into called the Christian life. He's been talking about that. He's told us about salvation. He has told us how that has happened. And he's been explaining to us what we have come to know since we've come to know Jesus Christ as our Lord and our Savior. He took us all the way back and he showed us how the Father chose us in Christ for salvation, how the Father gave to him a people, and how Christ, how the Son of God came to earth to redeem us, and how the Spirit of God came to apply that redemption to our hearts and our lives, each one of us individually, and how the Spirit of God has come to live in us, and how now he is the seal of our future inheritance. And he talked to us about that inheritance and what all that is and, uh, and how great and how glorious that is. Throughout this letter, he's prayed for us. The Apostle Paul has prayed for not only those to whom he wrote in the book of Ephesians, but by extension for all of us that, that, that we might be strengthened in our inner man and we might be able to grasp and we might be able to, to, to understand these things. And, and then he began to say, okay, now having shown you what salvation is, and having prayed that you would grasp all of the height and the depth and the breadth of all of this, now, now, let me show you how this works out practically in your Christian life. Well, let's bring it down in the day-to-day. -day. Here's what salvation is. Here's how it took place. Here's where it's all headed. But here now is the difference that it makes in your everyday life when you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. So first of all, he began talking to us about the mutual submission that we should have in the body of Christ, how, how God gave us certain roles that we are to have. And so we must plug into those roles and embrace those roles from our hearts that God has given to us. And then he began to speak of us about the practical things. He began to speak to us about husbands and wives. And so now we come down to chapter 6. And in the first four verses, he now turns his attention to children and to parents. And this morning, I just want us to try to understand what all he has to say about the parent-child relationship. And there's much he has to say. And we're just going to be able to look at just a small part of it today, and we will continue on, Lord willing. But let me just say right up here up front that what we have here is very, very simple. I mean, it's very simple. It's not hard to understand. As a matter of fact, we can say this. When it comes to parent-child relationships, child-parent relationships, we can say this, that what we have here is sufficient. It is sufficient. John MacArthur writing about this, he says this quote, Christian seminars, books, and articles on marriage and the family continue to proliferate, and volumes of schemes and principles are proposed for strengthening them. Child psychology books are written almost ad infinitum, yet God's Word gives the basis for right parent-child relationships in just four verses. When the other teachings of Scripture supportive of these verses are studied and applied, every parent and every child has all the foundational information necessary for godly and harmonious family living. 
And so God has given us here in four verses what there have been volumes written about in psychology books and in self-help books. And these four verses you need to know, they are simple, yet they are sufficient. But in order for us to, to, to have these verses make a real difference in our lives, we have to, first of all, have, we have to have the capacity to put these verses into practice. In other words, what I'm saying is we have to be saved. We have to be saved to put these into practice. We must have to know Christ, first of all. We must have to have the Spirit of Christ in our lives in order to apply these verses. And then, having the Spirit of God in our lives, we must actually do what these verses say. We must be obedient to them. We must carry them out. So this morning, let's begin looking at these together, and let's try to understand what these verses say. So the first place I want us to begin, and you'll see the different headings in your in your bulletin if you want to follow along there. We've got a few of them this morning. But I want you to see, first of all, the subjects of obedience. The subjects of obedience. Look at verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. So a very basic question here. Who, who is being commanded here? Look at it. It's, it's children. Uh, this verse tells us children have received a command from God. So it says children, and then notice, this is an imperative. Obey your parents in the Lord. I think the very first thing we need to take note of is that this word that's translated children comes from the Greek word techna. It, it just refers to offspring. We need to understand, this doesn't refer to any many children. This doesn't refer to, to just only small children here. It's not talking about an infant or a toddler or, or maybe someone in their early grade school years. It's not, it's not talking about just those children. No, the word speaks of a child. It speaks of an offspring. It speaks of someone who would be living under the care of, living under the roof of parents. And so, this applies to you. As long as you are living at home, before you get married, this verse applies to you. Younger children, all the way up into the teenage years, this verse is for you. Teenagers who are in high school, this verse is for you. Those who might be teenagers still, or who might be just past the teenage years, who are maybe in college, but still living at home, still single, still living at home, still living under your parents' roof. This verse is for you. And so it refers to just plainly offspring, even up through your teenage years. And there's no question that, that when our kids get older, we have to relate to them differently. You don't relate to a 14-year-old the way you relate to a 4-year-old. And so we have to relate to them differently. And if we're not raising them to somehow be independent and to be on their own someday, well, we're not doing a good job. But even as they get older, and even as they, they learn to, to, to relate to us differently, and we relate to them differently in the household, what he's commanded here, God still has commanded the child to obey what he's going to give in these verses. So this is a command to Christian young people still living in the home. Now, what exactly is the command that he gives here? Well, it's, it's an imperative, as I said here. But now, notice what the command is. Look at it. I, I want you to see this. Read along with me. Follow. Notice carefully. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. And so, you see that right there? So, so the commandment really is twofold right here. There is to be, number one, obedience, and there is to be, number two, honor. Obedience and honor. So let's just take that, those in that order. So let's first of all talk about obedience. Children are to obey their parents. What does that mean? What does obedience speak of here? So I want you to see first of all with me, and let, let's notice here, we talk about obedience, this will be the second heading. I want you to see the specifics of obedience. The Greek word translated obey 
It literally means this. It means to hear under. To hear under. And the idea is that as I'm listening to my parents, I'm realizing that, that I am in a God-ordained position of submission to them. As I listen to them, I understand I am in submission to them. God has placed my parents over me, and so therefore I am to give heed to my father, I am to give heed to my mother, I am to be realizing that it is Almighty God who has put them over me, and so them being over me, well, I am under them. And so that's how I listen to them. That's how I hear them. I listen to them as one who is superior to me. And so children are commanded here to remain in subjection to their parents, to give heed to their words, to give heed to their instruction, to to their commandments. And, and yes, it even goes so far as to give heed to their wishes, to give heed to, 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 to their desires. It's all wrapped up in this word obey here. What does obey, obey mean? It means to hear under, to listen under. They are the ones in authority. You, children, are the ones who are in submission. Now, it's not the only place where the Word of God sees this kind of instruction. Listen to this. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 20. The Bible says, My son, observe the commandment of your father and do not forsake the teaching of your mother. So he says right there, observe, pay attention. Give heed to the instruction of your father and don't turn away from the teaching of your mother. Another one, Proverbs chapter 23, verse 22 says, Listen to your father who begot you and do not despise your mother when she is old. And so this idea, listen children, this idea of listening, it's very important, isn't it? It's very, very important. We can say it this way. Wherever you have an obedient spirit, it does not turn a deaf ear. An obedient spirit does not just sort of turn off their parents. An obedient spirit does not scoff at their parents and what their parents are saying. An obedient spirit does not just shrug off instruction as if they didn't even say it. No, they listen. They listen. And understand this, obedience is not just an action Obedience is first and foremost an attitude. It is an attitude. And if I have the attitude of obedience, then I'm going to take seriously the words that are spoken from the one who is in authority over me. I'm going to give careful attention to that. I'm going to listen to my parents' words. I'm going to weigh those words carefully. I'm going to listen so that I can understand what they're saying so that I can fulfill that instruction that they're given. Because I have a heart of obedience. I want to know so that I can obey, so that I can fulfill their desires. And that is what an obedient heart is. And so that is what it means when it says, obey your parents. Obey your parents. Now notice, third, I want you to see the sphere of obedience. The sphere of obedience, verse 1. It says, children, obey your parents, here it is, in the Lord. Now, this particular passage assumes Christian parents and Christian children. It doesn't take into account, like remember we talked about 1 Peter chapter 3 uh, last week, or maybe it was the week before, uh, regarding husbands and wives. It doesn't take that into account where you might have one who is unsaved, one who is disobedient, the word in that sense, and it really doesn't bring into the picture those things. It doesn't bring into the picture a lost young person or lost parents here. Now, this passage assumes Christian parents and Christian young people. That, that's just the assumption here. And so the obedience that you're to give as a Christian young person, this says, is notice, in the Lord. It is in the Lord. That, that is your motive for obedience right here. Why do you want to obey your parents? Well, because you belong to the Lord. And so you want to obey them because you want to obey Him. You're a believer. You belong to the Lord. And so because you want to obey Him, you want to obey them. You love the Lord. And because you love the Lord, 
you want to obey your parents. This is the heart of it all. This is the motivation for obedience. And then fourth, it also describes the limits on your obedience. The limits on your obedience. Listen, even children have to know that we do not obey every single human authority. No, we don't obey when they tell us to disobey something that Christ has told us to obey. When, when, the, con, when the commandments conflict, and it comes down to, well, do I, do I obey this human authority or do I obey Christ? It's not even a question. We obey Christ. And so we're, we're not talking about matters of uh, preference here, young people. Uh, we're not talking about things that your parents may ask you to do. We're talking about if your parents ask you to engage in evil deeds. For example, if your mother or your father ever says, no, you cannot be a Christian. Uh, you cannot trust in Christ and trust in the gospel. No, there are limits to your obedience. And that is a command that is not to be obeyed because Christ commands all to be saved. So there are limits on that. So as long as your parents are not asking you to engage in evil deeds, not asking you to directly disobey the Lord Jesus Christ, well then this verse says you're to obey them. You're to give them obedience. Because you're in submission to them. Now, how broad is this obedience supposed to be? How broad is it? Well, I want you to see, fifth, I want you to see the scope of obedience the scope of obedience. And to do this, turn over to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, because I want you to see how, how wide this obedience goes. Colossians chapter 3. Because we read something very, very similar over here in the book of Colossians. Colossians chapter 3, verse 20, it says, Children, be obedient to your parents. And then what does the Bible say? Look at it. In all things... For this is well-pleasing to the Lord. In all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. In how many things? How many things should I be obedient to my parents in? All things. All things here. That is the extent that we are to be obedient to our parents. Again, it's not asking us to, to, to violate the direct word of God, the direct will of God. If, if I'm not being asked to engage in evil deeds, if my parents are not commanding me to sin and to do something that would be sinful, okay, if that's off the table and they're not asking me for those things, well then how far does my obedience go? What if I'm 15? What if I'm 16? What if I'm 17? What if I'm 18 living at home, 19 living at home, 20 years old living at home, and I'm still under my parents' authority? How far should my obedience go? So this says, Colossians 3.20, in all things, listen, in all areas of your life, obedience is to be reflected. I'm going to show you just in a moment, we're going to look at some Old Testament verses, and I want you to see what God has in mind, because again, I want to tell you, he's not talking about just little ones. He's not talking just about that. We've already looked at that Greek word, Tecna, and it just simply, as we said before, it means offspring. So in a moment, we're going to look at this, that, that even as, as children got older, as long as they weren't married, but even as they got older, as long as they're at home, this verse calls for obedience from such children. But for now, let me just show you this. Turn over to the Gospel of Luke. Let me show you a fantastic example of this kind of obedience. Luke chapter 2. Because if you need an example for this, I want to tell you, you need to look no further than your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Luke chapter 2. And today, we're focusing on children. Lord willing, Lord's Day after next, we're going to look at parents. Uh, this coming Lord's Day, uh, we're going to focus specifically on thankfulness as we've got our, our Thanksgiving luncheon that day, our fellowship meal. And we want, we want that to be on our heart and our minds. 
all the things we should be thankful to the Lord for. There's so much which we should be thankful to Him for. But for right now, we want to continue looking at this and looking at children. Let me be quick to also say this. If, if you're not, number one, a child in the home, number two, if you're not a parent and you're thinking, okay, well, why do I even need to hear this? I just want to say this to you. We need to recognize we all have opportunities to share the Word of God. We all have opportunities to talk about the Word of God and to know the Word of God and to share the truth of the Word of God. And so because we have those great opportunities to share the truth of the Word of God, we need to understand what the Word of God would have to say about this. Because it may not apply to you in your specific situation at this point, but you probably know people to whom it does apply. And you need to be willing and ready to share the truth of the Word of God with them when it comes to this matter. So we have a great opportunity to teach an unbelieving world about the Word of God and, and the need for a, a Savior and the truth that we see here. So that being said, Luke chapter 2, look at verse 41. Luke 41, speaking of our Lord. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the Feast of the Passover. And when he became 12, they went up there according to the custom of the feast. And as they were returning after spending the full number of days, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. But his parents were unaware of it, but supposed him to be in the caravan, and went a day's journey. They began looking for him among their relatives and acquaintances. Now, obviously, as we look here, let me just insert this thought. We need to understand this, right? Who are we talking about here? We're talking about our Lord, right? And is our Lord perfect? Absolutely. Our Lord is perfect, and when it came to his parents, our Lord was perfectly obedient to his parents. So this is not disobedience. The Lord Jesus Christ was a perfect child. And so what would happen is that uh, when you went to these, these, these feast days, these times, we often traveled in really, really large caravans, and massive groups of people are coming over, and... Uh, this is not an uncommon thing. I mean, you ever been with your children? You've been to a park or an amusement park and a water park, and, and you know, you, you got them and they're right there and everything, and you go a little bit and you turn around just to make that check, and they're not there, right? You get that feeling, you know? You start looking around. Uh, well, that's sort of what is going on right here. I mean, you, you just sort of walk off and they're not with you. And so they thought that the Lord Jesus Christ was with them, somewhere with them, somewhere in the caravan. Probably, normally he was. Obviously, it's pretty clear that all the kids were not always within eyesight of the adults, but there were other adults there that were probably watching. But somehow, some way, he was not with them during this time. So now look at verse 45. When they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem looking for him. Then after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. When they saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us this way? Behold, your father and I have been anxiously looking for you. Now, that, that's an amazing thing about parents right there. You know, you, you look at that, and, uh, and that even when perhaps... We are not doing what we should be doing as parents. And what, what would be our job in a situation like this? We're the ones who are supposed to be watchful, right? We're the ones who are supposed to be taking into account and knowing where our children are. And so that's our responsibility. But whenever you, you do kind of like lose them for a little bit and you find them, what's the first question you ask? Where were you, right? That's the first question. You know, the, the first question is not, wait a second, uh, why wasn't I watching and looking and taking note? The, the first question is, well, where were you at? And so now look at verse 49. He said to them, why is it that you were looking for me? Did you not know that I had to be in my father's house? In other words, here's the point. You should have known right away where to look for me. You should have absolutely known where I would be. There should be no question about this whatsoever. Verse 15. But they did not understand the statement which he had made to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth. Now notice this. And he 
What's the next word? Continue. In other words, this is nothing new. No, no, this is the pattern. He continued in subjection to them. And his mother treasured all these things in her, her heart. Now notice that Jesus kept increasing in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. He continued in subjection to them. Subjection to, to his parents here. He is the Son of God on earth. The Son of God on earth. God with a human nature. He is the God-man in this world. And yet, even though he is, he is in complete, complete subjection to his parents. I want to tell you, young people, what an example for you to follow. The example of Christ here. And notice there in verse 52, this is in his humanity. He kept increasing in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. In other words, Jesus grew. He grew intellectually. Our Lord grew spiritually. Our Lord grew physically. Our Lord grew socially. How far should obedience go to my parents? Realize this, children. Your parents have a responsibility over you. They have a responsibility, young people, to make sure you're taken care of in a certain way. You think about it spiritually, socially. I mean, when it comes to your education, when it comes to your schooling, your parents have a responsibility there, and you're to remain in subjection to your parents. You need to, you need to take it to heart. You need to pay attention. You need to listen under that authority because your parents have responsibility and so they have the say when it comes to your schoolwork and your homework and your education so let me ask you a question children are you obeying them when it comes to that are you obeying them understanding you are in subjection to them and then they have a responsibility to take care of you physically to take care of you physically listen maybe even some of you who are smaller or maybe back there in that back section. Do you understand mom and dad have the responsibility to say to you, it's bedtime now. You need to go to bed at this point. And you need to respect that. You need to honor that. Here's the time you need to be in bed. Here's the time you need to do this. Here's the time you need to do that. Because they have the responsibility to make sure you're approaching life in, in, in a healthy way. So we want to understand this, right, children? I know you're never ready to go to bed, right? But you need to understand, when your parents tell you it's time to go to bed, they're doing it because they have certain things they're responsible for when it comes to you. Okay? They're not trying to be cosmic killjoys. No, they, they have certain things they have to ensure, and you need to realize that. And they're the ones in authority, and you're not. So you have to be obedient to them. So are you listening to them as one who is under authority? In these matters, do you realize that your parents have a God-given responsibility in these areas? So are you giving heed to them, to their words, to their desires, to their wishes? And they're to take care of you socially. Socially, that is, they have a responsibility to assess your friendships, to know who your friends are to know who you want to hang out with, to know where you want to go, to know where you want to spend your time. They have a responsibility for that. And yeah, let me say this even, and this is a strange thought in our culture, okay? But they have a voice even when it comes to your marriage, to your marriage. You're to be under their authority. And unless they are abusing that authority, you're to listen to them to listen to them. How many here this morning know and believe that God gave parents to children in order to have these responsibilities? It's God's good plan. It is His wisdom to do this. Children, God gave you your parents. And He gave them this responsibility as well. They have a responsibility for you spiritually to make sure that that, that you're growing in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, to make sure that you know the Word of God, to make sure that, that you're obedient in your relationship, 
to Christ. So again, let's, let's go back to our original question. How far does the obedience go? Colossians chapter 3, verse 20. Children obey your parents in all things. In all things. Now, go back to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, and I want you to be reminded of number 6, the objects of obedience. The objects of obedience. The ones to whom we're to be obedient. Who are you to obey? Look at what it says. Children, obey your parents. Verse 2, honor your father and mother. Honor your father and listen, children. I want you to hear this. Honor your father and mother. And mother. Let me say this especially to young men who may be here this morning. You're listening to this. And maybe you're getting older. You're an older young man. It is your father and your mother that you are to obey. Your father and your mother. I wonder how many children here in this place will listen to their father, but they will ignore their mother. They will ignore their mother. How many children are swift to obey their father? Oh, dad said it. I better do it. But yet, they're slow to obey their mother. I wonder how many of you children that this would apply to. I wonder how many parents could stand up and, and really how many moms could, could testify this morning. You, you know, that boy of mine, the older he gets, I have to constantly call his father in on the discussions. I have to constantly bring in his father. If I'm trying to give some type of command, some type of instruction, I have to always bring his father in for him to listen. I have to always do that. Do you know what it means, children, when you obey your father, but you do not obey your mother? Here's what it means. It means your obedience is all wrong. What it means is this. Your motivation for obedience is not the love of God. Listen. Your motivation for obedience is fear. It, it is fear. It is fear that motivates you. It is not the love of God. You see, if we're obeying our parents in the Lord, if we're obeying our parents because of the Lord Jesus Christ, if you're one who is doing this, if you're listening under authority, then realize something. Your mother, your mother has as much God-given responsibility and authority in your life as far as the parent is concerned. And so you're to listen to her as much as you listen to your father. And the reason you are not doing that, the reason you're not listening to her, and you're listening to your father, is because in your mind and in your heart, you're saying basically something like this, oh, he's the one who carries the bigger stick. He's the one who gives the harder discipline. Oh, he's the one that, that can't be intimidated. He's the one that has the more severe discipline. And so, so I'm afraid of how he's going to discipline. So I'll do what he says, but I'm not afraid of mom. And what is the root of that kind of obedience? It is fear, fear, fear. Now, the reason that you are to listen to your father and your mother is because you have respect for God, Christian child. You have a love for God. You have a reverence for the Lord. And yes, you, you do have fear, but it's a proper fear and reverence of God. And that is why you obey your father and your mother. So what do we do? So, so, so now I'm one who, who, who is to listen under authority, under the authority of God. And as a result, I am under the authority of my father, yes, and my mother. You are as obligated to obey the commands of your mother as you are your father. They are the objects of our obedience. This leads, leads to something else. Consider this. Number seven, the teachers of obedience. The teachers of obedience. Who teaches these children to obey? What's the answer? Parents do, right? Parents do this. Uh, isn't that a strange sort of thing? Look, look at the verse here. Children, 
obey your parents. Now, who teaches them to obey their parents? Parents do. So, what this means is this command in verse 1, it imparts a responsibility not just to the children, but it imparts a responsibility to the parents as well. The, the children are to obey, but it's the parents, the parents who must enforce obedience. Now, I want to tell you this. God is, is so good. And he is so merciful. And he doesn't just tell children to obey their parents. He gives them reasons to do it. He gives them incentives here. Look at verse 1 again. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Now, here is the first incentive. For this is what? Right. It's right. It's right just from the perspective of, of natural law. It's just the right thing to do. Well, what does that mean, man? Well, it just simply means this. You go all over the world, wherever you want to go. Even in, in cultures that are far flung and far away. Maybe almost just, just not civilized as well. You go to any of those, maybe cultures that are not even influenced by by Christianity whatsoever. And every culture has this idea that, you know what, children are in some form, some fashion, some way, they're supposed to be obedient to their parents. Children are to be obedient to their parents. Now let me ask you this, why is that the case? Why is that a worldwide thing? Why is that the case? Because just simply natural law teaches us that this is right. This is right. But then not only natural law, but we actually have the law of God. And it also teaches us that this is right. That for a child to be obedient to his parents or to her parents, that conforms to the divine standard. This is a thing that is right. This is a thing that is righteous before the sight of God. And so uh, there are no psychological studies that are needed. There, there are no sociological studies that are needed. There are no uh, statistics that well, we need to run the numbers on this. Is this really a good thing or is this really not a good thing? Now, God has just plainly and simply said, this is right. So let me ask you, young people, this question. It's a very, very simple question. And here's the question, young people. Do you want to do what is right? Do you want to do what is right? Do you want to do what, what as, as God looks at this, and God would take notice of your relationship with your parents, do you want to do what God would consider is right in regard to your relationship with your parents? Do you realize this morning, that there are some things that, that are right and some things that are wrong in God's sight. Right and wrong. And here's something that is right. Here's something that you can do before God that is right. What is it? It's to obey your parents. To obey your parents. It's right. It's, it's really, I mean, we can just stop right here because this really is all the incentive that you need, right? To do what is right here. Why should I obey mom? Why should I obey dad? What do I get out of it? It's just simply the right thing to do. It is right. Well, hold on a second. That's me. You just don't know my household. You don't know how many times my mom gets it wrong. Sorry about that. <laughs> and you may be right about that, but I want to tell you what should you do. Even if she's getting it wrong, you do what is right and you obey her. It's still right to obey her. Because this is right. This is right. But that's not the only sin he gives. Look at verse 2. He says this, Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may be well with you, and that you may live long on the earth. Why did God attach a promise to these commands because because he wants to enforce he he wants to encourage what pleases him so not only is this right but as soon as you say this is right you're also saying this is what pleases the lord 
uh, those are the same thing. Again, Colossians chapter 3, verse 20. Children, be obedient to your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Just like there are things that are right and things that are wrong, another way you can say it is this. There are things that please the Lord, well-pleasing, and there are things that displease the Lord. And so what is pleasing to the Lord, what is acceptable to God, is that you obey your parents. And I really find it interesting that in both cases, when God says it is right and when he says it is well-pleasing to the Lord, did you notice that in both cases he puts it in the positive? He puts it in the positive. He could have put it in the negative. He could have said, children, obey your parents in the Lord because if you do anything else, it's wrong. He could have talked about the wrongness of it. It's wrong, it's wrong, it's wrong. But that's not what he does. He doesn't do that. He could have said, children, obey your parents in the Lord because anything else is displeasing to the Lord. But he doesn't say that. In both cases, he puts it in the positive here. Why is that? Because, again, it, it's the underlying assumption that, that it is here. He's assuming, who are these people that this is addressed to? Who are these children? These are Christian young people. They, these are believers. And what do truly saved, truly Christian young people truly want to do? They want to please God. They want to do that. They want to do in their heart what is right. And so, so we can appeal to Christian young people in this place. And we can say, okay, if you're a believer, we know that you want to do this. I know you want to do what is right in the sight of God. I know you want to do what is well-pleasing to God. Because you're saved. And he's given you that new desire in your heart. So, that being the case, you want to do what is right. You want to do what is well-pleasing to the Lord. Well, here then is what is right. Here then is what is well-pleasing in his sight. That you obey your parents in all things. In all things. It's right. It pleases God. Now, again, Ephesians 6, verse 2. He didn't just say children are to obey their parents, but he goes on in verse 2 to say that children are to honor their parents. So let's move from talking about obedience to now talking about honor. He says, honor your father and mother. And no doubt this is added, at least in part, to teach our eighth major heading. That is the spirit of obedience. I want us to see now the spirit of of obedience. This this really puts obedience, I think, in, in its proper context here, because you're really not obeying, listen kids, you're really not obeying your parents if you're simply doing what they've asked you to do. I mean, that, that's not enough. You're obeying your parents when you do what they tell you to do, but you do it with the right attitude. That is when you are obeying your parents. It's, listen, it's not obedience when, you know, uh, in, in, on the outside you're, you're sitting down, but on the inside you're standing up, right? No, that, that's not obedience there. It's not obedience. It's not obedience when they tell you something and you sort of give the eye roll and you sort of give the bad attitude and you're just huffing and puffing. Oh, you're doing it. You're doing what they ask you to do. But, but there's all the other stuff. There's the complaining, and there's the, the stomping around, and the shuffling, all the way to go do what they told you to do, all of that. That is not obedience. Listen to me carefully. Obedience is both inward and outward. It is inward and outward. Outwardly, what is it? There's conformity outwardly. You're doing what your parents have told you to do. You're doing what your parents have desired of you to do. That is outwardly. But inwardly, inwardly, in the heart, in the mind, there's this respect for your parents. There's this honor for your father. There's this honor for your mother. What does it mean to honor your parents? Well, what does that mean? The, you know what the Greek word means? The Greek word actually means this. It means to set a value on something. To set a value on something. To, to value them. To, to appreciate them. 
What does that mean? It means you love your parents. It means you appreciate them. It means that it means that you respect them. And you're thankful to God for them. In general, we can say that it means this. You, you hold them in very high regard and very high esteem. And if you stop and think about it, if you have that attitude toward your parents, then when it comes to obedience, what are you going to do? Of course you're going to obey them. Of course you're going to obey them if you honor them. If you, if you hold them in great value, if you hold them in great esteem, if you think of them high in your thoughts, you're going to want to do that. Why? Because you don't want to hurt someone that you love, right? You, you don't want to do that. If you love your father and mother, you don't want to disappoint them. If you really if you really appreciate someone, if you're really thankful for them, you don't, you don't want to tear them down with, with your hands, with the things that you do or the things you, you don't do. If you care for someone, well, then you care about what they think. You care about their words. If you care about, listen, you listen to them as one under, right? That is how you hear them, and you have respect for them, and you hold them in high esteem. In other words, you, you listen to them in a different sort of way than you listen to everything else. That is what you do. Listen, the reason why there is an obedience problem in a young person's life, if you, if you want to get it all the way down, if you want to trace it all the way down to the root, if there is an obedience problem in a life, there is a problem, first of all, with the heart honoring their parents. That's where it comes down to. It comes down to the heart. Because if they honored their parents, if they truly respected their parents, then they're going to obey their parents. They're going to do this. You see, we've got to see parents from the vantage point of, of God. He placed them into your life. This is God's vantage point. God, God gave them to you. God has a purpose that he is working out through your parents for your life. And so you ought to hold them in very high esteem. You ought to value them, your parents. Let me ask you a question. How important is this to Almighty God? How important is this to Him? Listen, it is so important that in His moral law that displays His moral righteous standard, the law that abides forever, ten words, ten commandments He gave, and one of them, one of the ten, has to do with this. Exodus chapter 20 verse 12 says, Honor your father and your mother that your days may be prolonged in the land which the Lord your God gives you. But not only is it important because it's in the Decalogue, not only is it important because it's in the Ten Commandments, and of course that alone would, would make it important enough, right? But not only do you see it there, but you see it all throughout the Old Testament where God gives additional commandments that that feed into this, that impress upon young people over and over again. Listen, young people, when it comes to you and your parents, you are to obey your parents. Listen to this. Let me just give you a few examples. Exodus chapter 21, verse 15. He who strikes his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. Did you hear that? Death. Do you realize that under the Old Testament, Mosaic Covenant, civil law in Israel, there was a death penalty. There was a death penalty that was attached to actions and words that dishonored parents. A death penalty. Leviticus chapter 19 verse 3 says this, Every one of you shall reverence his mother and his father, and you shall keep my Sabbaths. I am the Lord your God. Leviticus chapter 20 verse 9, If there is anyone who curses his father or his mother, he shall surely be put to death. He has cursed his father or his mother. His blood guiltiness is upon him. Deuteronomy chapter 5 verse 16, Honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God has commanded you, that your days may be prolonged and that it may go well with you on the land which the Lord your God gives you. Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 18. And listen, this is one of those verses that I was talking to you about that this demonstrates. Well, we're not just talking about little children here, okay? 
I mean, obviously, when we think about the death penalty, and, and, and we're not talking about them taking, like, their little four-year-olds out who are having problems learning obedience in the house. They're not taking their little four and their five-year-olds out to experience the death penalty here. So older children, listen to this, Deuteronomy chapter 21, verse 18. If any man has a stubborn and rebellious son who will not obey his father or his mother, and when they chastise him, he will not even listen to them, then his father and mother shall seize him, bring him out to the elders of his city at the gateway of his hometown. They shall say to the elders of the city, This son of ours is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey us. He is a glutton and a drunkard. What is he? He's a glutton and a drunkard. You think this is a six-year-old at the house? No, we're talking about someone who is an older child here. It says, And all the men of the city shall stone him to death, so you shall remove the, listen to this, so you shall remove the evil from your midst. And all Israel will hear of it and fear. Why such strong commands? I mean, two reasons he mentions here. Number one, that kind of attitude on the part of an older young person. He says here, listen, that is literally evil. It is evil. He said, you shall remove the evil from your midst. It is an evil thing for older sons and daughters to rebel and be rebellious toward their parents. It is an evil thing. But in addition, this had to do with the whole society of Israel. Israel was a theocracy that was governed by laws that God has given to them as a society. And so therefore, to, pervert, uh, to preserve the soundness, to, pervert, to, to preserve the soundness of the home unit, which the home unit is the foundations of society. And so to preserve that, it had to be made very clear that we must have reverence in the home for parents. We must have obedience in the home for parents. Children obeying parents. Children valuing parents. And all of society rested upon that. It rested upon this reverence in the home, this soundness in the home. So God strengthens this in our minds by giving us these commandments. Young people, listen, you and I could, I used to be one a very long time ago. Okay? I used to be one of you guys, you know, a, a young person. But I want to tell you, young people, uh, we ought to be thankful that we are living in the times that we are living in, right? That we are living in these New Testament times, that we are not under the, the civil law of Old Testament, theocratic Israel that we're living here and now. But, but, let me ask you, let me ask all of us this. Should we be living under those times? I wonder how many of us who are here today would not be here today. Because this is the kind of life we live, and this would be the kind of penalty that we would suffer. All of that just to say, it is a very, very serious thing with God. But not only that, God just gave general warnings about unfaithful children. Listen to this, Proverbs chapter 30, verse 17. The eye that mocks a father and scorns a mother, the ravens of the valley will pick it out, and the young eagles will eat it. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 20. A wise son makes a father glad, but a foolish man despises his mother. Proverbs 10, verse 1. These are the Proverbs of King Solomon. A wise son makes a father glad, but a foolish son is a grief to his mother. Proverbs 29, verse 3. A man who loves wisdom makes his father glad, but he who keeps company with harlots, again, making plain, we're talking about older children, right? He who keeps company with harlots wastes his wealth. All of these warnings tell us this is a very, very serious thing with God. Turn over to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, if you will, because the New Testament will tell us that when it comes down to signs of apostasy, when we're talking about one of the signs that you have an entire culture that is turned away from the truth of God, 
One of the signs is this. There will be rebellion in the hearts of children toward their parents. It is a sign that you have a culture on the downgrade. It is a sign that you have a culture, a society that is headed into the dregs. When children do not have respect and honor for their parents, and by extension their elders, if they do not respect that, I want to tell you that is a serious sign of a downfall in the society. Romans chapter 1, look at it. Well, we won't read the entire section here. You know, well, you know, God gave them over, God gave them over. And it's just one of the expressions of wrath, the wrath of God upon a society that he gives a society over to the darkness of their own soul and he gives them over to the darkness of their own sins. And so this is just going on and on and on as the society just gets down further and further down a destructive path. And so now notice where it reaches in Romans chapter 1. We come to verse 28. And just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to a depraved mind to do those things which are not proper, being filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, and then what does it say next? Disobedient to parents. It goes on, without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful, and although they know the ordinance of God, that those who practice such things, listen to this, this includes being a dis, a disobedient to parents, that those who practice such things are worthy of death, they not only do the same, but also give hearty approval to those who practice them. These things, he says, are worthy of death. And what does he mention? Look at it. Murder, envy, greed, strife, malice, arrogance, insolence, boastfulness and vendors of evil in the midst of the whole is, he says, disobedient to parents. Again, I want to say this. It is an evil thing to be disobedient to your parents. Second Timothy chapter 3 verse 1, the Apostle Paul wrote, wrote this, but realize this, that in the last days difficult times will come. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers. Here it is. Disobedient to parents ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And he's saying these are difficult times here. And you're going to know you're living in those times. You're going to know that you're living in the last of the last days here because young people will no longer have respect for their parents. This says they are going to be disobedient to parents. Disobedient. And so you're not to only obey your parents, but, but, but the attitude of it, the spirit of it, is to be one of honor, is to be one of respect. You listen as, as one who is under authority. And listen to this, anything else is evil. It is evil. It is displeasing to the Lord. It is, it is not right in His sight. This is what the Scriptures teach. We might ask this question, well, well, if children are supposed to honor parents, well, how are parents dishonored? What are some ways that young people can dishonor their parents? Well, obviously, if you're a parent, you know that they can do it in more than one way, right? There are many, many ways that young people can dishonor their parents. Let me just give you a few. And young people, you listen to this, okay? You listen to these. How is it that you can dishonor your parents? And let me ask you, are you dishonoring your parents in this way? Number one, hard thoughts are dishonoring to your parents. Hard thoughts. Let me ask you this question. Do you ever think your parents are just goofy? Do you ever think your parents are just absolutely out of touch? They're not with it, and, and, and they're, they're just totally out of step. That if you know everything and your parents don't know anything, I want to tell you this. That is a dishonoring way to think about your parents. That is absolutely dishonoring. And I can promise you this, that as someone who used to have those thoughts, 
about their parents. Sorry, Mom. Where's she? There she is. <laughs> She's here now. <laughs> I've got to be careful. <laughs> but as someone who used to have those thoughts about your mom, and you know this, when you get older, you find out how with it they were, right? You found out that they were absolutely clear to it. And as a matter of fact, because you thought the way you thought about them, really, in all actuality, you were the one who was, who was not with it. You were the one who really needed to get a clue. But you didn't. And they knew. So, hard thoughts about your parents. Those are dishonoring to your parents. Number two, rebellious attitudes dishonoring your parents. We've already talked about that. Number three, defiant looks dishonor your parents. Uh, in other words, you go ahead and you do what they say, but if looks could kill, and you just give them that look, defiant looks. The next one, disrespectful words. Disrespectful words. You who claim to be a Christian, who claim to be a believer, you say things to them that your God would be displeased with. Disrespectful words. And then this, another thing that dishonors your parents, when you actually do what they have told you not to do, or you don't do the thing that they've told you to do, that dishonors your parents. But let me just close with this thought. The family today faces great, great challenges. There's numerous ones. We could just give thing after thing after thing that we can talk about. But I want to talk about the greatest one, and then we're going to be done for today. I believe the greatest challenge that the family faces is the thing that is the constant challenge, and it is the sin nature. It is the sin nature. What threatens to, to disrupt homes is sin. Sin does. And listen, our little children are not born sweet and innocent. And, you know, we, 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 we've had a, praise the Lord, we've had a big wave of these new little babies coming in. And they look sweet, right? And they look innocent, but we need to realize, and know they're not. They are not sweet. And they are not innocent. I like what Bodie Bachman says, they're little vipers in diapers. <laughs> and it's because they have that sin nature. They have the sin nature. I, I mean, Let's just go through the questions. And we hear them all the time, but we do need to take them to heart. They have this sin nature. So here's a question. Did you ever have to teach your young child growing up how to be selfish? Did you ever have to do that? Did you have to ever sit them down and say, Son, daughter, I, I, I want to give you a, a life lesson today. And so what we're going to talk about is how you can learn to tell a lie. Have you ever had to do that with your kids? No, this just comes natural, right? We never have to sit down and, and teach them things like that. So what does all of that mean? It means that they just know these things. They know how to be selfish. They know how to lie. Well, where does that come from if it's not taught from someone? It comes from the heart. It comes from the heart. The sinful nature threatens our home. And let me ask you this. What is the real and only remedy for that? It is the Lord Jesus Christ, right? It is Christ, salvation in Christ. And so I want to tell you this, parents, and, and Lord, uh, Lord willing, after the next Lord's Day, we're going to talk more about the parents and our responsibility. But I want to tell you this, that the most important thing you will ever do as a Christian parent, and sadly, sadly, in many of our homes, is the thing that we fail in the most. But the most important thing that you will ever do as a Christian parent, is to raise your children by sharing the gospel with them. Raising them, knowing the gospel, raising them, praying for their salvation, praying, praying, praying. Raising your children, living the Christian life before them so that they're not just hearing your words, they're, they're seeing this lived out. And it's you in the home living consistent with the things you say, living consistent with your profession, of faith. Listen, for all of us who are parents, God placed them into our care, and we need to understand this. We, we, parents, we are the main evangelists to them. May the Lord help us where we've fallen in this. May He give us true repentance. 
And may he make us to turn around and to be faithful in doing that most basic of duties we could ever do. You want to have more of a harmonious home? It's not so much that you need to read your 50 self-help books on all these parenting techniques, but are you giving them the gospel? Wouldn't you just love to see your child change from the inside out? You can't do that. Christ, Christ can do that. And for every person who comes to him, he does do that. Through the giving of his spirit, through renewing them, making them a new creature in Christ, so that all things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time that we've been able to look into your word. Lord, I pray for these precious children who are in our midst. I pray that they've listened today. I pray that they've heard some of these things. But more than anything, Father, I pray that they come to know Christ as their Savior so that they can have a true capacity to live these things out. And Father, we pray for us as parents that you help us as we shepherd our children. Father, forgive us for no doubt the many, many times we have failed them. Father, I pray that you give us a true repentance of heart so that we can take those steps that we must take in order to parent them and to shepherd their hearts in a proper way, a way that is pleasing to you. Father, may they do in their lives through obedience what is right and what is well-pleasing to you. And may we as parents instruct them in that way. We ask this in Christ's name. It's by grace through faith that ye are saved A faith that's not your own Not of works, lest any man should boast It is the gift of God The gift of God to you